Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, everyone. Quick favor to ask before we get to the show. Could you please, if you got time, go to podcastlistener.com slash L-E-F-T and answer a few short questions. It would be super helpful uh, to all three of us. Again, that's podcastlistener.com slash L-E-F-T. Answer a, a short survey if you got time. Thank you so much, everyone. Here's the show. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Let's see. So should we start the show? Let's start the show. All right. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kitzel. That's Marcus Parks. Hello. And we've got H-Bone and Henry Zabrowski in Atlanta. Oklahoma, where the wind comes in the plains. Uh, it's not. It's going to be. As, it's not going to be as fun as the musical. No, it definitely will not. No, today we're going to be talking about Oklahoma City. Of course, the bombing that occurred in 1995. Extremely heavy topic. But uh, once again, Marcus and H Bone. I think there's some crack research in here and uh, a lot of information that's going to be enlightening to our audience. So on April 19th, 1995, a conspiracy-minded Gulf War vet named Timothy McVeigh parked a 7,000-pound ammonium nitrate fuel bomb loaded on a yellow Ryder moving truck in front of the Alfred P. Mura Federal Building in downtown Oklahoma City. Mm. When all was said and done after the bomb was detonated, 168 people were dead and over 800 were injured. Oh. And honestly, that's his biggest crime. His second biggest crime is owning that neon yellow Mercury. Oh, my God. Not drove around it, which is disgusting. It's we'll, a pastel yellow. All right. We'll get into some of his interesting car choices, to say the least. Although I will say in this episode, no yacht, uh, which that's kind of a big deal. And yeah, no, it's, no, it's Oklahoma. It's landlocked. Ah, okay. Ah. Now, according to McVeigh, this act of domestic terror was done in part as retaliation for the siege at the Mount Carmel compound in Waco, Texas, mm. the climax of which came two years to the day before the Oklahoma City bombing. For those of you who don't know, the Waco siege involved a cult named the Branch Davidians. The Davidians were stockpiling various weapons. The ATF got wind. They decided to raid the place and fucked up the entire operation spec. Now, I will say I do not support uh, what the government, federal government did uh, regarding Waco, or we'll get into Ruby Ridge, but Janet Reno was played perfectly by Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and so that, was a, that is a bright side. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the Branch Davidians were not good. No. no. They, did not go, they did not do good things, no. but the ATF <laughs> fucked up everything, and we're going to see that they're going to fuck up a lot more as the time goes. And I don't know why, because it seems like a very sensitive place. It seems like everyone should be really good at their jobs at yeah. 
yeah. the ATF. But it seems like they really they really mess it up. They bungle. There's yeah. a bunch of bumble butts. Yeah, that's true. About the end of the 51-day Waco siege, 76 Branch Davidians, including 25 children, had died in a fire mm. set under the direction of cult leader David Koresh as government agencies stormed the compound in a last-ditch effort to flush out the cult members. Now, there was a lot of bad shit happening in that compound, not the least of which was mm. David Koresh's multiple child brides. And if which you- would have been totally cool if he had made Annie Hall first. <laughs> This is technically a Woody Allen joke, so we're going to let that pass. Thank you. Uh, But, of course, this is where a lot of the conspiracy theories come in as well when it comes to the fire. Uh, There's a lot of different videos and stuff. And they're like, you can see them spraying in napalm and those sorts of things. Which Which is not what they did. That That wasn't what it was. It was tear gas. David Koresh set the fires to kill everyone. There was an audio recording of them saying, like, David said to pour the fuel, right? Like, yeah, David said to pour the fuel. Man, I wish we had more hay. Yep, yep, I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, And we'll also get a lot more into those videos. Videos that mm-hmm. uh, show uh, the flames supposedly coming out of um, the tanks in Waco. That's going to play a huge part in this story. Videos yeah. and rumors like that. These conspiracy theories have real life ramifications, and that's what we're talking about here. They absolutely do, because that's the thing: is that the radical right didn't see it that way. They right. didn't see it as David Koresh had all these child brides that needed to be free in their minds, and specifically in the mind of Timothy McVeigh. Waco was proof that all the conspiracy theories that have been swirling around gunshots and in pamphlets for years were finally coming true. Now, remember... Honestly, if gun shows weren't so bad... It does sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if they were like literally like Beverly Hills Cop 3, where you just had a really quirky European dude selling you huge weapons, that's fun. <laughs> and you have a crime that you have to solve and stuff. But usually it's just people who want to like uh, get an arsenal of guns to protect their families from cows. Yeah. Now, remember, all this is pre-internet. If you wanted to get a hold of wacky shit, you had to go out of your way and look for it. Conspir- the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> you had to really work to be a conspiracy theory, you did, uh, man. theorist back then. Like Do you a, remember the dude that we used to go to in Union Square, the big fat guy that would wear sunglasses at night? Oh, and you'd yeah. have to go through his piles of stuff to find the really fucked up esoteric documentaries about how like Martin Luther King was was half Jewish and he was a cy- he had oh, cyborg legs. Yeah, that was back that was back in the day. It's all it's a similar thing when like when weed is legalized, you no longer have to hang out with the weird guy who yeah. just wants to chill for ninety minutes and you try to get him out of your apartment as quick as possible. Yeah, see conspiracies about the New World Order common to take away your guns and subjugate the American people, that shit wasn't in your pocket. Right. You had to go searching on the fringes for that type of thought. And Waco wasn't even the beginning for these people Mm -hmm. as far as the far-reaching New World Order conspiracies went. Less than a year earlier, the ATF had participated in another huge fuck-up in a siege at Ruby Ridge Mm -hmm. in northern Idaho. I would go as far to say is that Ruby Ridge was a genuinely gigantic fuck up. Oh, Even absolutely. more so than Waco. Ruby Ridge was like, they performed almost on a criminal level. The fact that like, th- we'll go through it right we'll now. We'll get yeah. into it, yeah. See, Ruby Ridge was a standoff between the U.S. government and a white supremacist named Randy Weaver, who was holed up in the cabin with his wife, two kids, and a friend of theirs. Long story short, by the end of it, Randy's wife and son were dead, an ATF agent was dead, and Randy and his friend were wounded. Well, what the story was with right. uh, with Ruby Ridge is uh, this guy, Randy Weaver, uh, had pretty much been entrapped uh, into sawing off some uh, exactly. barrels off of shotguns, uh, and he had a warrant. By the U.S. government. By the yeah. U.S. government. They yeah, set yeah, yeah. him up. And then, this, is, this is very standard FBI, ATF procedure. You just get one, you tell them they're in a very difficult predicament, and you flip them to get all of the leaders. Randy Weaver was not a leader uh, in no. the white supremacist movement. That's why they were using him to 
to get to the to, to the big fish. He refused to go along with the ATF and what the federal government wanted to do. So uh, so they just hold up uh, in this uh, in their home and it just escalated. And every mistake that could be made was made. Mm-hmm. And then you have the situation where the death of his son, the death of his wife. The, the ATF, the FBI did not realize they shot his wife, yeah. and they consistently used him. They would they would tell him to just let your wife free, and then we can negotiate. And he thought that they were taunting him. Yeah, he sat in in that house with his dead wife for a week yeah. before can they you finally came that? out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so McVeigh, he used these two incidents to justify his actions. Yeah. Here's McVeigh saying that himself. Hmm. Who started the war? And who was the aggressor? That's how I look at the Murrah bombing. To me, it wasn't a start of a war, it was a counterattack. The war had already been started. You guys think you can be ruthless? Let's see how you like it when the, when the fight is brought to you. And go this, fuck yourself. Oh my that's god. That's what I say. I say go fuck yourself. <laughs> that would be the appropriate response. But this really Ruby Ridge was really amplified as well by this character Bo Gritz, mm-hmm. uh, who was a, a big leader in the white supremacist movement, also at the time running for president. Uh, so he took this as a <laughs> diplomatic opportunity to show what a great uh, a diplomatic leader he would be and he attempted to broker the deal between uh, the family and the uh, and the FBI. And he did, but if you watch uh, the document there's a documentary great American experience documentary about Ruby Ridge yeah, and awesome. they interview uh, Bo Gritz, and man, he is so happy to have been a part of something. <laughs> was, yeah, you I gotta say, it's an opportunity. It's just <laughs> nice to be a part of it. You know, you like it's like when I was first. Uh, now that I'm on the set of Crash and HBO's Crash, and it's a wonderful opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> now, the official story is that Timothy McVeigh was a lone wolf, helped by a man named Terry Nichols, who said that he went along with it only because McVeigh had threatened both Nichols' life and the life of his family. Mm. But to me, that doesn't make any sense. Right. If you look at the history of mass murder in America, lone wolves are sick people. Mm-hmm. They're guys like Charles Whitman mm. at UT who had a brain tumor, or Sung Cho at Virginia Tech who had more mental problems than we have time to go into here. And a very strange YouTube account. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Timothy McVeigh is not writing Richard McBeef. <laughs> he should have, though. Right. Honestly, though, if he could have just managed to channel his anger into song, the songs would have been horrible. <laughs> yes, but at least been. they would have been songs. <laughs> Now, Timothy McVeigh was not sick. Sure, he no doubt suffered from PTSD from his time in the Gulf War, which mm. we will get into, but McVeigh was not sick the way Sung Cho was sick. Mm. McVeigh was radicalized. Hmm. Absolutely. He was a part of a gigantic network. I think he was completely supported. I'm with you, dog meat, on that whole front. I've been. He was given a copy of a book called The Turner Diaries that we're going to go d- into more deeper detail next episode. But that book is going to be sort of like the invitation to the Aryan nation that is going to move people. These, this is American ISIS. It's yeah. essentially and the, mm. like people like Lewis Beam who came out, came out and said this idea of leaderless revolution of little pods of people doing gigantic, horrible, violent acts that he hoped would just happen without a central network, which is terrorism. That oh, is, course, it is yeah. domestic terrorism. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Timothy McVeigh is the uh, he is the definition of domestic terrorism. He's the, he's the poster, the poster child of domestic terrorism. He is the Garth Brooks of domestic terrorism. Don't bring Garth Brooks into <laughs> this. Every time you bring up Garth Brooks, I'm forced to get defensive because the thunder does roll, and we have it to does. remember that the thunder rolls. It it's does. not just a weapon you know report; who, it's also a great song. The, you know who was the face of domestic terrorism before this? Which is sad that he got bumped. The kid from Problem Child. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you really take those movies like a, a serious crime drama, he was horrible. Dennis the Menace. Yep. American terrorist. <laughs> now, in this series, we aim to show just how Timothy McVeigh got to this point, how he was inspired by a white separatist, quote-unquote, patriot movement that mm. still thrives and is defended to this day, and how irrational conspiracy beliefs justified McVeigh's actions to himself. Mm-hmm. We also plan to show how it is very possible, if not probable, that there were many more people involved than just McVeigh and Nichols, and how the entire thing, just like 9-11, six years later, could have been prevented if not for the incompetence and short-sightedness of a few law enforcement officials who weren't listening to what their people were telling them. And they were actively uh, fighting one another. They were in competition with one another, not fighting for the greater good of the American people, which is what they should be doing. Yes. I I think the term short-sightedness is the most important thing. Like, yes, they they did fuck some things up, but mostly it was about they just wanted to have the crime be closed. They wanted the case closed. They wanted Timothy McVeigh in jail, and that's it. Because the complicated weaving of getting into how do you shut down Elohim City? How do you shut down, like, the CSA? All these gigantic networks— these white supremacy members that were sort of hidden, they, the white supremacy part of it just hid the patriot movement. It, yeah. it was It's weird how they used all that hate rhetoric to just be like, oh, it's just a bunch of idiots in the mountains talking about how they hate other races. But actually, they were preparing for a war against the U.S. government. And again, Ruby Ridge and Waco had happened previously. The FBI was kind of licking their they didn't They didn't want another situation like that. Or the ATF. The ATF specifically. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. And the ATF not wanting another situation right. like that is part Partly what led to Oklahoma City. But again, Janet Reno played by Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. But before we get to the life and times of Timothy McVeigh and the movement that at the very least inspired him, we're going to cover the actual bombing itself. As we know, a lot of our listeners are either too young to remember or may not have even been born before April 19th, 1995. God, it makes me so sad. <laughs> we just had we just had Joey Fatone on set for Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. It's a bit of a spoiler alert. Calm down, ladies. I know. <laughs> he brought it up that it's the 20th anniversary of the of NSYNC coming together next year and what? i was like i'm that's horrible that's Instinct, ridiculous Instinct can vote oh no <laughs> Instinct, and they were one year away from drinking <laughs> Instinct's been able to vote for two years oh man. Where my you been? god that's crazy <laughs> but before we get into it we have to cite our main sources here the first is american terrorist by lou michael and dan herbeck It's the book that was essentially endorsed by McVeigh. It's where he told his life story. Although it still doesn't paint a flattering portrait Mm -hmm. of McVeigh, it's this guy was the only guy that McVeigh actually talked to. Well, this yeah, it's also there's no way it's going to be a flattering portrait unless it's a pamphlet (laughs) at a gun show. There's no way you can sugarcoat the story enough to be like you can't say all the details. But it's like, but also. He could have been an incredible dancer. He had an elegant arch to his feet. I mean, and, and I mean, as far as haircuts go, he definitely had one. He was and very it was definitive. He was very proud of his brush cut. He called it his brush cut, and that was one of yeah. the things that he hated most about being in prison was that he wasn't able to get a good brush cut anymore. Oh, poor guy! Sling blade looking country inbred <laughs> sister fucking piece of shit. Oh. Uh, but of course, he was on death row, so this would be this was an opportunity for him to really share his story and get his point of view out there. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, the other book that we uh, checked out, and this one is the really interesting one, and it only uh, came out a couple years ago uh, after a ton of FBI files were finally released. The other book is Oklahoma City, What the Investigation Missed and Why It Still Matters by Andrew Gumbel and Roger Charles. Hmm. This one refutes McVeigh's story in a number of ways and also gives a fantastic overview of everything that went wrong here. Okay, And the one thing I will say definitely in defense of this book, it has 80 pages of source material, of, of sight where it gets all of its different points. It's very, very thorough. It's a really cool breakdown. It's a little mind-numbing because mm-hmm. it's a lot of details, but it paints a picture of why it was so difficult to investigate this the incident and the evidence that points towards there was a whole network that was working with Timothy McVeigh. And also to prove that this book is valid and reasonable, in those 80 pages of source material, not one of the sources is InfoWars. So that's <laughs> really, that's good. That's but definitive go, proof. Guys, Hopefully we got to give our support to our boy Alex Jones. Tonight's his big night. I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) We're not talking about the Alex Jones Megyn Kelly interview. Well, Alex Jones is a uh, big, uh, speaking of Alex Jones, Oklahoma City is one of Alex Jones's uh, big inside job claims. Right. Uh, And he says that uh, the entire thing was done to malign the quote unquote patriot movement. The patriot movement is a white supremacist movement. Uh, and ignite for him tonight. <laughs> I hope that I hope that he I hope he shines. I hope he wins best cinematography. I don't know what he's going to do tonight, but whatever it is is going to be gonna fascinating. Be All eyes on him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, th- this is you know the start of, of Timothy of uh, Alex Jones really starting to get into like inside job okay. bullshit. Like he, the, uh, Oklahoma City was one of his first big yeah. um, conspiracy theories, and, that, and that's what we're going to get into here. There were so many different holes in the official narrative; it was able to be filled by conspiracy theorists uh, to then prove whatever point they want to prove, whatever mm-hmm. narrative they wanted to uh, create. They were able to create absolutely, uh, and the reason why those holes existed was. Um, because of incompetence, right? Uh, oh, through yeah. and through. That's how, that's how it always goes with these. Is that the the holes are always caused by incompetence that the government does not want exposed. It's not that they're trying to not expose evils that they've done. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they are, but most of the time they're just trying to cover up how badly they fucked up. That is the great bad I- investigations. Yeah. leave these incidents sort of like they become like a, a Sasha Gray. So many holes to be filled with conspiracy theories, and I, and I think that and it's available for it, and it's and it's hungry for it, and it's and it's horny for it. Okay, well we we did manage to get there. Very good. Yep. Now let's get to the bombing itself. Now that we've got oh. Sasha Gray out of the way, thank God. Thank you. It's been thank burning. God. It's been burning in my pocket for a while. That's good. I'm happy it's been released. The GD is out of the bottle. Now, the site of the bombing was the Alfred P. Mira Federal Building in downtown Oklahoma City. While there were offices for the ATF, Secret Service, and DEA in the building, it was mostly run-of-the-mill government offices. Mm -hmm. It was stuff like Social Security, Housing and Urban Development, Veterans Affairs, Army Recruiting, uh, and just like a lot of other buildings like this, there was a daycare there as well. Mm. 550 people worked at the Mira Building, but that doesn't account for the hundreds who came in and out every day to use basic governmental services, many of whom were there on the morning of April 19th. This was 9 a.m. This place had just opened up. Hmm. See, McVeigh was faced with a choice. He could very well have set a bomb to explode in the middle of the night when fatalities would be kept to a minimum. But McVeigh didn't want to just destroy a building. He thought that the only way to catch the government's attention would be to rack up a high body count. Terrorism. And as far as the loss of innocent life went, McVeigh rationalized it by comparing the people inside 
to employees on the Death Star. Woo, woo, woo. We've got a nerd alert. We've got a nerd alert. We've got a nerd alert. Woo, woo. Another way for George Lucas to get his merchandising. That's right. Into American events. So this is out of Timothy McVeigh's. This is his actual analogy. This is he equated them to individuals who worked on the Death Star from, from Star Wars. His mouth, Ugh. directly from McVeigh's mouth. In his rationalization, while not every person on the Death Star was individually guilty of crimes against the galaxy, they were still serving on behalf of Emperor Palpatine. In this case, represented by Bill Clinton. It's not Which real. I actually, <laughs> really <laughs> resent because Emperor Palpatine definitely could not still get an erection. Oh, absolutely not. Could. He definitely could, to his own detriment. See, McVeigh thought of himself as Luke Skywalker. Oh, my God. I can't even with this jerk-off. I'm like, you know, I am like a little Luke Skywalker, if you think about yeah. it. Well, that's He's a- just like Luke Skywalker, because Luke Skywalker also wanted to fuck his sister. <laughs> well, this is Inbred. Kinda- <laughs> Shit, fuck. Right. Well, well, Ben, me and you were kind of talking about uh, stuff like this on the last episode of Top Hat. Yeah. Uh, where a lot of these people, they want their lives to be movies. Totally. Uh, they, they want their lives yep. to be simple movies with bad guys. They want to be the hero, uh, and they want it to all be wrapped up in a nice little package. And we have 168 innocent dead people because of this morons uh, ex- trying to live the extension of a film that he loves. Mm-hmm. Also, Timothy McVeigh was using set up rhetoric. He is parroting things that he has heard. He has sat and thought about the statements he was going to make. All of this is rehearsed. I imagine that they used pop culture in a lot of their recruiting material. Yeah. There was oh, a lot sure. of that where it's just like, so it's because it makes it a very simple, attention-grabbing dis- like d- description of your action, and it's so easily printable in a newspaper, which is what they wanted. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. 
Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it and she loved it and she wore it when we went on vacation and modern did everybody come around being like where'd you get that piece you beautiful woman and I was like stop talking to my wife she's spoken for you can see it with the blue Nile bling she's got on her right now get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code last podcast at blue Nile.com that's $50 off with code last podcast at blue Nile.com blue Nile.com One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, by blowing up the Death Star, in this case, represented by the Mira building. Yeah, can you imagine the daycare of the Death Star? Yeah. <laughs> McVeigh would be seen as a hero striking back against an evil empire. It just, it goes back to John Wilkes Booth. You know, he thought the same thing. They yeah. all think they're going to be heroes. It never happens that way. It never You're works. Never they the all hero. die in fire. They you know. all get murdered. Yeah. You're a yeah. fucking moron. Yeah. It never works different. In reality, 80% of the people who died in the blast had no connection whatsoever to law enforcement. They were just regular people going to work in a government job to make ends meet. Yeah, just trying to get it, to the weekend so they can go fishing and like try to forget that they work at the Murrow building. Yeah. The exact number is 138 out of 168 had nothing to do wow. with any one of those apartments. And it's not even just, you're just talking about the ATF too. This is before, this is 9 a.m. This is before the big guys even get in. Yeah. You're literally looking at low-level ATF employees. It's, it's fucked up. So just a little before 9 a.m., Timothy McVeigh, according to him, pulled the yellow rider truck on the side of the road and lit the first fuse. Soon after, he lit the second while waiting at a stoplight. He then pulled the rider truck into a drop-off point, cut into the sidewalk on the north side of the Mira building, Hmm. got out, put in a pair of earplugs, and walked towards his getaway car. Now, apparently, one thing that may have happened is that that was his second plan. That was his backup plan. The first plan is that he was supposed to go into the underground garage underneath the building. But the fucking idiot didn't realize how big the rider truck was and spent 15 minutes backing in and out of the front of the fucking parking oh my structure. God. And they said, because there was eyewitnesses that say that he was, you see him around driving the rider truck because basically he's scrambling to come up with the next plan, which is like, you figure that'd be the first thing. You've been casing a building for months. Right. And you can fucking think about the stupid truck. Right. And yeah. so now he so he lit the wick. And I mean, this does take uh, a lot of patience and a lot of uh, calm. I mean, obviously, he was calm uh, to be able to drive around with a loaded bomb that was lit. 
He was except well, yeah, he was extremely calm the entire time. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's why you were saying earlier, that's why he's not he's not nuts. He's no. very focused. Oh, he's not he's, nuts. He is extremely I mean, he's, focused. Yeah. yeah, he's not unstable in any way hmm. whatsoever. This man knew exactly what he was doing at every turn and hmm. felt good about what he was doing at every turn. Hmm. And McVeigh's getaway car was a pastel 1977 Mercury Marquis that McVeigh had parked just a few blocks away with a note on the window that read, Not abandoned. Please do not tow. Will move by April 23rd. Needs battery and cables. And that just shows the confidence of white people <laughs> that you could just put a note in there. You're like, oh, they'll understand. Like, Everybody understands notes. That's that's as good as honor. That's an honor code. Yeah, that is the that is the definition of a dumpy car, though. When, whenever you leave it, you're going to be like, not abandoned, by the way. I'm just going to shop at Costco. I will be back in 20 minutes. This car is a functioning car. I am just a dirtbag. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, you spent $300 on that merch. Mercury Marquis. Wow. Pastel yellow, had a big rust spot on it. <laughs> what, he's just the kind of special douchebag that car dealer needed to see that day. <laughs> he's like, oh, my wife is going to leave me if I don't sell one car, and all I got is this pastel piece of crap. Oh, oh hello, man, Timothy. Look at this guy's haircut. I'm moving this car tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but before McVeigh could even get to his car, the bomb detonated at 9.02 a.m. with the power of two and a half tons of TNT. This is a recording of the blast as captured by an audio recording of a routine local government meeting being held in another building. With regard to this proceeding, basically there are four elements that I have to uh, uh, receive information regarding. so interesting it is that's just such a that is such a great uh audio description of just it's just a mundane day yeah it seemed like a yep. very boring meeting it that was, was going it, on it was a waterboard it, meeting oh well that's kind of exciting <laughs> um but you know i mean just this this, this 419 1995 was just a day yeah and for yeah. this to happen i mean that is again as we were talking about this, this is the definition of terrorism and that blast you know it, i mean it blew out the blast was loud enough to blow out the recording on this video that was loud enough it was heard over 50 miles away. Wow. It's a huge bomb. It's a 20-foot-long bomb oh my God. filled with it's, – it's, how many tons was that? 5,000 tons? Uh, it was uh, three and a half tons. Jeez. Jesus Christ. All right. Yeah. So the explosion was powerful enough so as to cause tiles to fall from ceilings and buildings as hmm. far as three miles away. Oh, my God. The concussive blast shattered windows and buildings all over downtown Oklahoma City, which shredded people on the street. The majority, of people, the majority of people who were injured in this yeah. were injured by falling glass because okay. all of these windows just went boosh. Yeah, that would make sense. Virtually every building in downtown Oklahoma City, over 300 of them, were damaged in some way by the blast, some bad enough where they had to be demolished completely. Wow. And when the truck exploded, the force of the blast blew the 250-pound rear axle two blocks away where it hit a car and almost killed the family inside, who coincidentally shared the last name Nichols with McVeigh's known co-conspirator. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Also, the family, uh, the, the the guy that was an eyewitness testimony said basically it was like an action movie. Heard the blast. He's right. like with his family. He doesn't go. He looks up and he said he, he saw this axle just going, whoo, whoo. 
making that noise like in a movie and it just crashed in his car and he was the the good down to his family was just awesome he did very he he moved very fast yeah yeah what a crazy uh, situation yeah when the smoke cleared a third of the nine-story mirror building was rubble as the concussive effects of the bomb had weakened the concrete columns enough to cause the building to partly collapse Hmm. which is really interesting uh, that i learned about bombs reading oklahoma city that i that I i never knew was that it's not so much the i mean the initial blast makes a bunch of damage but then it creates a vacuum this like negative pressure effect where it sucks back in all the air comes in to fill the space that the concussive energy like pushed out and that's what bring all the like and that's what they're saying that that's where timothy mcveigh was accidentally a genius because he did obviously did not understand the physics of what he was doing and that he somehow tricked his way into making it it ended up being extra powerful because it's like two blasts in one which is also why the conspiracy theories are going to say that there were two bombs. Mm-hmm. All right. When there absolutely was not. Now, the heat from the blast set cars in the parking lot across the street on fire, and the ground was littered with bodies and body parts. But the worst part was the children. Just above the rider truck on the second floor of the building was the America's Kids Daycare Center. The kids inside were infants, toddlers, and preschoolers. 21 kids were in the daycare that day. Only six survived, Mm. and 19 kids throughout the building would die in the blast. McVeigh would later say that he regretted the children, but never expressed any remorse whatsoever. In his words, the children, as well as the non-governmental workers, 69 people who were just there to get their Social Security check or some other bullshit that day, were nothing more than collateral damage. He is ridiculous. That's the words that he used. Well, he learned a lot of that from his time in the Gulf War, and he had this kind of whole concept of like that's that was the that was the part of it that was going to incite the race war. That yeah. was what was going to finally do. That's what he wanted. He yeah. wanted that. So he never even re- he doesn't really he ever even saying the terms that he regretted it. He didn't. He didn't give it, a shit. I don't yeah. know. It's a little controversial, but we talked about this on Top Hat as well with uh, regarding Dylan Roof. We got to ban people with bad haircuts. <laughs> I, yes. I really believe it's we need cameras it's and every barber. <laughs> And every time a, uh, someone comes in, who's like, what? What, did, what does he call his haircut? Uh, the brush. The brush. Top Put him on a list. Now you're on a <laughs> list. Down problem. Cut the head off the snake. That's Absolutely. what I say. Cut, Cut the, the hair, hair off. Cut off the snake. <laughs> That's it. Rescuers were on the scene immediately and headed straight into the wreckage. They said both the ceilings and the floors were marked by large circles of coagulated blood. Oh. Each circle marking a human being that had been crushed by the falling concrete slabs. No one deserves to die that way. That's no. that's to, for sure. One woman who fell five stories survived but was trapped and kept her composure by squeezing the severed hands of one of the other victims, Oof. saying it made her feel oddly comforted while waiting to be set free. Oh, my God. It was God. the only thing she had. Interesting, God. yeah. None. If she were the last podcast on the left fan, she would have called it an Ed Gein stress ball. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's, that's true. Appropriate. I mean, it's a bit of it's a bit of dark humor, but that is. I mean, how interesting! What a strange situation. Yes, it, uh, for it is a bit of dark. Humor. <laughs> it, is, it's, it, is, it's, it is a bit of dark humor. It's a bit of a bit of midnight chuckle, as they call it. Yeah, a little midnight chuckle. 
But what I mean, how what, uh, what a strange uh, situation to have to be in, and for her, that for her to have to experience that is really. Um, and, and she said she knew uh, that that she had reached out. She was trapped under rubble, and she reached out and found someone else's hand and mm. and started screen or and started squeezing it uh, and, and looked over that you know and saw that the hand was attached to nothing else. Uh, and she said that she didn't particularly care at the time. She said wow. she just she needed something right. to hold on to because that was another thing that uh, some of the survivors inside said they said uh, while they were waiting to be rescued they said it wasn't like an action movie where you've got like hissing pipes and rubble falling Mm -hmm. uh, and people screaming they said it was deathly silent Hmm. in there interesting now, one of the most tragic stories was that of Dana Bradley. She, accompanied by three members of her family, was at the Social Security office to get her son a Social Security card that day, her brand new baby boy. Mm. And when the truck bomb exploded, Dana's mother, daughter, and son were all dead. Oh and her God. sister was badly burned. Dana herself was trapped under the rubble and had to have her leg amputated at the knee with a pocket knife. Oh my goodness. It was so free. fucked up because they literally had to go to the triage center and they grabbed the only the ER doctor that was the, the head of the department that was a, 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 there at 9 o'clock in the morning. And they grabbed him and they had to do this and he was a very fat man. And they said that he had to struggle his way through. They could barely get through the rubble to get to her in the position. So he was like, he had to do it with his left hand, which was not his strong hand. And all of his scalpels kept breaking because he couldn't also couldn't use anesthesia on her right. because her blood pressure was too low. He was afraid that the anesthesia would kill her. Mm. So he used a tranquilizer just being like, you're just going to have to deal with this and we're just going to make good, but I have to keep you still God. for me to do this. And so it was just him every break. She was completely motionless screaming and he used his scalpel. Each one kept breaking until finally he got someone's pocket knife and managed to finally get the last tendon because he had to cut through the worst part of her knee, Oof. like the most complicated part. And that is that's fucking horrible. Not a uh, yeah, not a good day for anyone. I mean, this was an act of war, and that reminds me of a scene uh, out of a hospital from the Civil War. Yeah, I mean, it was yes. just oh my goodness, limbs yeah. everywhere. Yeah, Dana, along with most of the other trapped survivors, were down in the basement, which rescuers dubbed the pit because burst pipes were slowly filling it with freezing cold water, which made the rescue process all the more urgent. It's never good when where you are has been dubbed the pet. <laughs> no. Very rarely no. is that like, that. oh, that means we're having a better time than other people? Unless you're at the People's Improv Theater on 29th Street in New York City, the pit, right. where you could get cheap improv classes and even cheaper comedy shows. That's right. <laughs> and it was incredibly dangerous to be in there as well. Well, one thing also interesting in the, in the first wave of looking for survivors is that there was all this money everywhere because mm-hmm. the ATF offices, like, their evidence room blew up. Mm-hmm. So money and guns are everywhere and these con- confused officers are running around like trying to save people but also just picking up just handfuls of, of cash and eventually like the commanders had to say, leave the fucking money, we're getting these people. It was very complicated. Yeah, mm-hmm. a very just a, a surreal scene. Yeah, absolutely. Now, after the two-week rescue attempt was over, only a handful of people had been saved from the rubble. Mm. And predictably, just like with the construction of the World Trade Center, most of these deaths could have been prevented for just a few dollars more. All right. The columns of the Alfred P. Mura building were reinforced with rebar. Had the building used hoop steel instead, a change that would have accounted for one-eighth of one percent of the construction budget, the building would not have collapsed 
which is how the majority of the lives were lost. Mm. Had the government spent just $18,000 more on this contract, no more than 20 people would have died as opposed to 168. The government, you know, it's uh, they probably did this under the guise of cutting the budget, mm-hmm. but then in that's re- exactly what they did. Yeah, because the whole point is the, the reason why they wanted to use hoop steel because that was earthquake proofing the buildings, and they're like, oh, there's hardly any earth- earthquakes here, and also they didn't right. want to make it some big oppressive government building because you had HUD there and you had the Social Security office, so they wanted it to be this kind of friendly place. And the reason why now all buildings, like if you try to go into the uh, into the new World Trade Center, if you try to go in there, you are frisked. Um, treated like a criminal as you go in there because that that's this is why now because now every government building has to be completely made to this specific code and also the idea that you could even get a, a van that close to the building is really insane mm-hmm. yeah it's absolutely insane that he was allowed to park right up in front of it not just right up in front of it mm-hmm. but right below the daycare center because the daycare center was directly above where timothy mcveigh parked the rider truck and in fact when he got out of the mm-hmm. truck he would have been able to look up and see kids drawings in the window of that so you think building. that he knew it was a daycare center? He absolutely, he knew did, he absolutely okay. he cased the he, building before. Yeah. They said that he came in uh, weeks before. We'll go into the next episode, yeah. but he came in asking about the back entrances to the daycare and was very interested in how many people were there. And also, there was a controversial change of management of the daycare mm-hmm. that uh, caused a lot of people to not bring in their kids that day, which is very interesting, too, is that a lot more kids could have died, but the, the woman that everybody loved had just left, and they had a new boss there, like a new runner of the daycare and they didn't trust that person so they didn't a lot of people didn't bring their kids yeah it was just a a stroke of luck that uh that that worked out that way furthermore the mura building only had one guard on duty at any one time Hmm. and the building was actually left totally unguarded for five hours a day now while there was no possibility that mcveigh knew of the structural weaknesses he sure as hell knew about the holes in security and chose oklahoma city over buildings in omaha and dallas Partly because of that, because I, the pl- people in uh, in Omaha and Dallas, they did you weren't able to drive a truck right up right. to the front entrance of it. I gotta say, the only way that it would be acceptable for the Murrow Building to have one security guard is if that security guard was the dad from Family Matters, uh, <laughs> yes. because you know he would have done a great job protecting I'm that building. Too old for this shit. I mean, just <laughs> taking a shit. And while most people around the world were flabbergasted that this happened in Oklahoma City of all places, mm. local law enforcement officials knew that something like this could happen and to their credit tried to prevent it the local head of the federal protective services whose whole job is to protect places like the mura building put together a detailed report outlining each and every one of the mura building's vulnerabilities Hmm. but his bosses wanted to keep the play keep the building as quote a place where people wanted to do business right they said that terrorism was something that just didn't happen in America and ordered the agent to change his report. And the- Well, apparently also did not build up goodwill amongst his bosses because he'd been harping on this for a long time. And they all just thought he was really fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. And he didn't right. like so then at some point they finally just wrote him off. But I do understand if you are, you know, a, a person in a pre-Oklahoma City bombing world or a pre-9-11 world, uh, you know, you do want people to feel comfortable. And it was I mean, it's what happened after Columbine when it comes to uh, when it 
came to sort of uh, hardening high schools, mm-hmm. uh, making them hard targets for people to attack. I, I mean, I understand the perspective of the people who are running this building to make it a family-friendly environment that wasn't militant. I absolutely. Get, well, you know, they didn't know. There's a, a middle ground, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah there, there, there's, a, there's absolutely a, a middle ground between, like, frisking people as they go inside to get a driver's license uh, and leaving uh, an entire front entrance completely open I for agree. somebody. Yeah. And know, the like, security cameras were fake. They weren't connected to anything. So there was no there was no footage of the actual bombing. I will say at least <clears> one <throat> Dwight Schrute a year saves 50 people. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, Dwight was in that office building, yes. yeah. He complains about how the fucking, how the line at uh, the uh, Chipotle is too long. That's it. But he will maybe save you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it reminds me of Wayne's World where he's at the video shoot. He's like, there is no film in this camera, but then of course there is. But again, that also plays into uh, the conspiracy theories. They were, the conspiracy theorists were just allowed to fill so many uh, pockets of information that weren't <laughs> filled by reports and cameras. Yeah. So, Stop saying holes. <laughs> <laughs> holes, holes, <laughs> and this is another thing that that played into the conspiracy theorists, um, uh, the conspiracy theorists' ideas that you know something was being covered up here because this agent who put out this report that mm-hmm. the Mira Building was uh, vulnerable to an attack, he did change his report, mm-hmm. uh, his official report. He changed it, uh, and when the bombing happened, his bosses made damn sure he wasn't anywhere near Oklahoma City mm. uh, because. Shit, he might have talked to the press. He might have said something like, yeah, I told him that this was right. unsafe. I told him that something like this could happen. But they ended up shifting him from building to or from agency to agency to agency. Mm. And they did that with a lot of people around Oklahoma City. People were being yeah. shifted all around uh, to cover up incompetence. Well, that's the interesting thing. And I know we'll get into this a little bit more in the future. When it comes to, uh, in the future episodes, um, but when it comes to uh, conspiracy theories, uh, oftentimes they think the government has like, you know, total competence, competence enough to actually perpetrate a, an act like this. In reality, like you just said, it's the incompetence of the the government that allows these things to happen. I could work at the ATF. You know what I mean? You have the body for <laughs> you. Have, you have I the could ATF go and apply body. for a yeah. job at the government. I there are men like me out there that are working for the government that don't know what they're doing, <laughs> which is not shocking comedians. anybody. Yeah, they should be actors. They should be performers. They shouldn't be at a cubicle. <laughs> well, that's the thing about the United States government is that it is full of absolutely totally. uh, competent uh, and not just competent like heroes, people who deserve to be in those positions of power that are there to help people. They're yeah. there because uh, they don't want people to die. Right. Uh, but government is also, it's a human institution. So it's going to be filled with a lot of people who are neglectful fuck-ups that don't necessarily give a fuck about right. anybody else were, besides their own ass. So let's get and back. And yeah. there were people in this story that did really good jobs. Yeah. They just kind of got silenced after the fact because there were people like deep within the, we're going to get into the, the white supremacist movement, like the people that knew that this shit was coming and were saying like, hey, they're, they are preparing for something. There was a lot of buzz. It was the same thing before 9-11. So, like, there was a lot of reports coming out saying, like, there's a lot of bustling happening. I don't know what's going on. And it's just what information they choose to act on. Right. All right. So, Timothy McVeigh, where are we at now? Right now. He's in his pastel car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, when the hunt for suspects began, America looked first to the Middle East, which was actually pretty logical at the time because Ramsey Youssef, the mastermind of the first World Trade Center bombing that had just happened a year before Oklahoma City, he'd just been apprehended. And the mm-hmm. jihadist groups, of course, had promised swift retaliation. Right. And really, it was the only explanation 
that we had that made any sense to us because shit like this didn't happen in America. And if it did, it was always someone from somewhere else right. who was the perpetrator. I remember in I remember when this happened because I uh, I grew up pretty close to Oklahoma City, uh, and I remember you know my coming in and you know uh, to my parents' work and they were like watching it on the TV that mm-hmm. day uh, and were absolutely shocked that anything like this could happen. Yeah. And I remember when he was uh, when Timothy McVeigh was captured, it was a, a look of like pain on. On their yeah. face, like can, oh yeah, like, he looked like somebody. Everyone had it. Someone who looked like Timothy McVeigh in their hometown. Yeah, you know, he yeah. looked like yeah, like a dipshit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that's basically it. The kind of guy that you talk bad about behind his back, but in front of his face, you're visibly terrified. Damn. Well, go hey, into the Patriot oh, movement. Tim, no, we're not having a barbecue this Sunday. So wait, uh, oh, you heard about it? We. Uh, you don't oh. want to hear about the coming revolution. Also, I'll bring coleslaw. That's, <laughs> The, uh, but the Patriot movement, it's like the multiplicity clone of the Nazi movement. Literally, it's it's a bunch of idiots that Goebbels would have spit on if he had met. <laughs> but during the investigation, it wasn't long before someone remembered the date. Mm. April 19th, two years to the day after the siege at Waco had come to a deadly and fiery end. Hmm. But that was Bob Ricks, the head of the FBI in Oklahoma, who technically should have been in charge of the investigation, but we're going to find out there was a lot of corruption with who was in being put in charge. But he understood. As soon as he saw it popped, he was like, they were sitting in the office and he was like, this is the second year anniversary of Waco. And they're all like, oh shit. Like, hmm. because they, he knew that this was coming and then we're going to talk about, the, the, they knew that there were a bunch of people pissed off about Ruby Ridge and that Waco got so much attention being like of course it's gonna be like, it's what 420 is now it's what we talked about with columbine and <laughs> we did that whole episode yes. that, that not the weed holiday not <laughs> yes not the weed holiday legalize it legalize weed yes man if you guys just had fucking weed man i don't think timothy so mcveigh would have done good man. with weed. he would have been Mc- bad on weed he actually uh tried weed and meth for a brief period it wasn't for him Oh, he did a lot of Timothy meth. Apparently, McVeigh. that was one of the things. The, the fuel up to the building of the bomb is that him and he was trying. McVeigh was trying to get Nichols into meth. McVeigh had been Ugh. up for days leading up to here, which probably is why he fucked up with the license plate, which we'll get into. We'll get into it. So the FBI, they drew up uh, a little profile. The behavioral sciences unit uh-huh. drew something up. They said the perpetrator would be a white male with military experience who was angry about Ruby Ridge and Waco. Described him perfectly. And from then on, the attack was what the FBI referred to as a, quote, Bubba job. Interesting. Which used to be the term for when you blow yourself with a dead fish <laughs> on a boat with your buddy. Watch it. He's like, you come yet? <laughs> That's a Bubba job, huh? Well, isn't that wild? So moments after the bomb went off, McVeigh hopped into his Mercury marquee, but he couldn't get the car to start oh. because he bought a $300 car. Right. And he tried again and again to get the engine to turn over until finally it started and he sped away. Right. But McVeigh had either forgotten or had purposely left something important off his car. McVeigh, who had just murdered 168 people, hmm was driving down the road without any license plates on his car. It is ridiculous. It reminds me of that Ted Bundy quote where it's like- We after talk the, about it all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. after the 20th kill, you forget where you put your uh, wrench or well, something like that. It yeah. would, but it's, it's just so strange to me that he would make this mistake on accident. It seems like I, this was a purposeful de- uh, decision to get uh, yeah. caught because he wanted to be a martyr, right? <laughs> it's possible. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, 
you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hi. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. 
And this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. So a state trooper named Charles Hanger noticed this about 60 miles north of Oklahoma City and pulled McVeigh over. And when McVeigh got out of the car, the officer noticed a bulge in McVeigh's jacket. When the officer reached inside, he found a handgun and Timothy McVeigh was arrested for the first time in his life hmm. for the unlawful carrying of a firearm. But the funny thing was, Hanger had no idea who he had handcuffed in the back of his cop car. But there was a clue. When McVeigh was arrested, he was wearing his favorite T-shirt that he wore special for that day. On the front was a picture of Abraham Lincoln with the words, Six Semper Tyrannus, thus ever to tyrants, printed underneath. These were the words that John Wilkes Booth had Hmm. screamed after shooting Lincoln in the head. Six Semper Tyrannus? Mm -hmm. It also sounds But I will say Six Semper Tyrannus was also made famous by the Sondheim musical Assassins that John Wilkes Booth has a wonderful solo in, and I I love it. I sing it alone (laughs) all the time. My brother was in the play uh, Assassins in college. I got to see it. Yes, he was was a very tall, tall person in the play. (laughs) Oh. On the back of the shirt was a picture of a tree featuring a quote from Thomas Jefferson that said, The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. But <laughs> not mine. Certainly not mine. Yeah. I own my girlfriend. Did you know? Just, just the world's the world's like worst farmer be like, what are you putting on the crops there? Human blood! <laughs> the blood of patriots and yeah. tyrants! She was killing all the trees. But maybe I got this wrong. Now, I checked online, and you can still get your very own Six Semper Tyrannus shirt, but now, instead of just a boring old tree, you can get one with a sexy lady on it instead. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Just go to Gadsden and Culpepper's American Heritage Shop, the official Don't Tread on Me Outfitter. A sexy lady just like Abraham Lincoln loved. <laughs> he loved <laughs> sexy ladies. I'm going to go I'm home and have sex with the first lady. <laughs> I can't wait to go shopping there because the sound hood I'm wearing currently is very warm. Yes. And I think that they probably have a whole collection of very breezy hoods for me to wear with face holes cut out perfectly for, for hiding sound. Uh-huh. Well, you could also buy uh, a deck of cards uh-huh. uh, with uh, girls in swimsuits holding guns. You know what it's called? What? Guns and buns? Guns and buns. That, <laughs> wow. Every time I play poker, I also want to be reminded that I'm lonely. <laughs> Yes. I, I only like hot babes on my playing cards. Yeah, I love being <laughs> vaguely hard while I'm playing cards. Me and my buddies, sometimes my father is there. Oh, I love this. Yeah, the sexual fetish, fetish uh, of guns is so weird to me, but that's a whole other thing. Well, of course it is. They're penises with bullets in it. I, I guess. Wow, if you could make your, your semen hard, that would be so much fun. Go ping, ding, dong, ping, ding, dong. Like off like different surfaces in your house, like little BB gun. I think it's best that doesn't happen. <laughs> So it wouldn't take authorities long to catch up to Timothy McVeigh. The first break came when the rear axle of the Ryder truck was found two blocks away, the same one that almost took the heads off the family huddled in their car for safety. Hmm. The axle had a VIN number stamped on it, which was traced to a place called Elliott's Body Shop in Junction City, Kansas. Hmm. When they checked the paperwork, they found that the truck had been rented to a man named Robert Kling, one of McVeigh's aliases. Okay. 
But when the body shop employees were interviewed, they found that McVeigh may not have been alone when he rented it. This claim has become one of the most contentious points in the whole Oklahoma City saga. Sketches were done of both men, with the first one undoubtedly being of McVeigh's square-headed possum sourpuss. Yeah. He really is such a sourpuss. Yeah, he is. He's got, no, he does not smile. No. He's a ooh, tight-faced little fucking prick. But you know for a fact he would be just like that couple who were laughing, uh, like like furiously laughing, and I looked over, on this is on the airplane, and they were watching Frasier. I have a yeah. feeling Timothy McVeigh would be like, I don't like comedy, but Frasier, he gets me every time. <laughs> But the other sketch was of a heavy set man in a Carolina Panthers cap with mm. olive skin. Mm. That man to this day is still known as John Doe number two. Okay. Who we'll get into on the next episode. Either way, the sketches were taken from door to door in Junction City until finally a woman who worked at a local motel called Dreamland recognized sketch number one. You look, you look like you want to say something about Dreamland. Dreamland? No, it's just like, we got rooms you can rent them by the hour, you can rent them by the half hour. That's this it. is some kind With of like, Dreamland. It's just obviously, <laughs> it's obviously not a place. Like, they must have been stunned. He's like, I'll spend the night. The, the night, sir? We've never had Dreamland? someone spend the night here at Dreamland. Wait a second, are you a millionaire? <laughs> or you just have nothing to lose? <laughs> when they checked the register, they found the name Timothy McVeigh. Hmm. They also found but that a fucking idiot. Well, he used his real name. He's just such a. He's just the idea that he could do anything alone. We'll talk about this. Well, but it's just he's so fucking square-headed and stupid. And, ooh, I literally think ooh. he ran out of creative juices. And he's like, well, what's an alias? I already did Robert Kling. Uh, uh, Timothy McVeigh. That's my name. Richard uh, Kling. Richard uh, Klunk. Uh, Richard Kring. What about Timothy McVeigh? Oh, that's my name. Uh, <laughs> dang it. I never understand people having a hard time coming up with fake names. I could come up with fake names all day long. Go. Jim Anderson, Jim Sanderson, Jim Randerson, <laughs> John Randerson, John Anderson. You just keep coming up with names. Rob, with names. But Rob, 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 Robert Bimbo. Uh, Marcus Parks. Robert <laughs> Bingbong. <laughs> Robert, <laughs> Mr. Robert Bingbong. Uh, <laughs> my no. name is Horatio Fernandez. <laughs> Hi, hello. My name is Horatio Fernandez. So immediately, I just jump into character. It's, but that's because I'm a character comedian. Yes, that's true. Yes, I think I don't. I don't think that Timothy McVeigh had the improv or the sketch abilities. No, so no, he, he would have really not done well at Just for Laughs in Montreal. No, definitely not. They also found that McVeigh had listed his address as a farm in Michigan, which belonged to the brother of Terry Nichols, McVeigh's possible lone conspirator in the official version of the events. And while agents went to check out the farm, a computer check was run on the name Timothy McVeigh and his recent arrest in Oklahoma less than an hour and a half. After the bombing the previous Wednesday showed up. Hmm. Lucky for them, the judge who was meant to see McVeigh that Thursday had a full schedule, and so McVeigh's bail hearing was pushed to Friday. Hmm. Had that not happened, McVeigh would have been set free, and who knows how long it would have taken to find him or what McVeigh would have done in the meantime. Well, it would have been another Ruby Ridge situation. You know, it would have been a Waco esque standoff that would have led to a horrible, horrific events with God knows, like you just said, how. How many other people would have died? Unless he had a place to go and it was set up and he was supposed to go and meet up with a network of people that were supposed to hide him, which is a theory that, that they've done that before. They took criminals. There was a whole criminal underground that we're going to get into in the next episode. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it. But thankfully, McVeigh was arrested again and charged with the bombing. So now 
We've got some questions to answer. Number one, hmm. who was Timothy McVeigh? A fuck face. Shit. No, that, those <laughs> are the quick <laughs> answers. Bad dresser. Uh, bad speaker. Bad lover. Um, maybe a good friend. Maybe. maybe. He was I don't friend. think he was a good friend. I think he was a very pushy, mean friend. But. Um, he was a very bad lover. He did not do well with the ladies at all. The the best that he ever Inch. did. I wouldn't have guessed that. I know. This is stunning revelations from last podcast on the left. Timothy McBay. Tim, Timothy McBay. Bad in bed. Do you think that he maybe was bad at Cunnilingus? I think he was bad at about everything. The best he ever did was uh after uh, the Gulf War, uh, right after he got back, uh, he tried a line on a girl, uh, walked up to a girl in a bar and said, hey, do you, need, do you need a special license to wear that outfit? I'm going to go talk no. to another man, not you. <laughs> you freak. Why are you here? Kill all the women. Kill all the women. They don't get my charm. I'm the most charming man in the world. And him and Elliot Rogers start hanging out. Exactly. <laughs> Number two. How did he get to this point? Mm. He's an idiot, gullible, um, he had no skills, uh, he was destroyed by the war. We'll get to the Short answers again. I like, no, I've, I've enjoyed <laughs> Henry's quick hot, hot takes on it. And number three, who else was involved? Yes. I Very- tell you what. I certainly hope it's not Big Bird from Sesame Street because that was the last honest thing. That was like the last yeah. good thing Mr. him and Mr. Rogers. If Mr. Rogers shows up somewhere in this investigation, <laughs> oh. I'm going to be very upset. Absolutely. No, those are those are great questions, and we're going to answer those in the next episode because, I mean, that's how we find uh, – that's how we avoid these future acts uh, yeah. you know, going forward here. We have to find the root problem, and that's what we talked about on Top Hat as well in this last episode. These, or, it's, it's so uh, – it's so um, – uh, contentious right now, and it is social media driven, and it's it's interesting to see these people. Or we just continue doing what we've always done, and what we will continue to do, which is ignore the problem, let it grow like a yeah, cancer right. in our bellies until it destroys the entire country, which I think, at this point, it's like, I mean, it's gonna happen. So let's just have fun with it. Well, let's not. Let's try to avoid it. <laughs> at all costs, we could all try to avoid this. Well, we can see uh, with, with Oklahoma City and uh, the, the kind of gun show culture that was going on mm-hmm. in, in the 90s and in the 80s uh, with you know, these. You can see you can trace a line uh, from what's going on now uh, with both sides way mm-hmm. back to the 80s and 90s. Totally. Like, oh, yeah. you know, when, now- when people say, like, how did the country get so divided all of a sudden? All like, of a no. sudden. Yeah. All of a sudden, are you fucking kidding me? Right. This this is shit that has been bubbling for decades. Yep. And Timothy McVeigh is right in the middle of all of it. And I think one thing that could save us, honestly, is that, if quote unquote, right now, if it's true, the Patriot movement technically has their president. They have it now. You've got a couple of real white supremacists that are in the White House that are they are a part of making policy. And so they're watching them fuck it up. And it's kind of fun because I think it's going to take the steam out of their fucking ship a little bit, well, realizing now they, you guys got the job and you're not doing it right. They 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 love what they're doing, so that's that's kind I of the sad true. truth. Yeah, yeah, there are different they're, perspectives, Henry. There are more than one. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're I actually they're actually extremely happy with what's going on right <laughs> now. They, they have I mean, they um, have never been happier in their entire lives. Oh my goodness. Um. All right. Well, that's episode one, Oklahoma City. We got a lot more to get to, a lot to cover with this story. Um, it's an intense one, and I think more. More relevant uh, than ever, uh, really, with our current times. And let's take a look at these domestic terrorists, and we got to nip it in the bud before we have another act uh, like this. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Anybody else, if you meet anybody that gives you the Turner Diaries, you got to run. They are not your friends. <laughs> They're not your friends. It's not about no, Tina not Turner. Turner. It's not fun. I'm going to say we've been called a problematic fave. 
I'm going to call the Turner Diaries a problematic fave because right. it is woo, woo, it is a doozy. Yeah, I'm, I, I actually don't really want you reading the Turner Diaries, to be fair. You've sort of adopted some Scientology lingo, and no, you do no, kind no. of this absorb is everything. This is different. I just, I'm just i reading the Turner Diaries on my computer and look up in the mirror and see me dressed as Gary, literally as the white devil, reading this book. And, ooh, God, yeah. controversial. All right, and check out your pretty face is going to hell, of course. Yeah. Um, all right, you. everyone, thank you so much for listening. Let's see, we got to do uh, Patreon. Thank everyone so much for donating to the Patreon. You're the only reason uh, that we can do this and travel all around and do the live shows. I want to thank everybody in Indianapolis. We had an incredible time at CrimeCon. Oh, CrimeCon was, was great. so fun. So we'll definitely, whenever we're invited, we will be there uh, for CrimeCon, I hope, anyway. Um, it was fun to see that CrimeCon, we were surprised that it was sponsored by Oxygen, and I, th- I thought it was great. And also, most of CrimeCon was the little ladies from The Keepers. Oh, yes. <laughs> like there tiny was, old ladies. There was one adorable old lady who came, because we were selling t-shirts, one adorable old oh lady who's like, I don't know what what you boys do, but are you interested in a cold case? Yeah, yeah, please. And she oh pulls out, God. oh, good, and pulls out her little good, folder good. and gives me this I, one sheet that has all of the information about oh like her pet cold case on it. She's I like, found this knife in the gut of a dead girl. <laughs> ma'am? I don't know, ma'am. Did you kill Thank her, ma'am? You, ma'am. Yes. Uh, no, that was unbelievable. What a fun uh, group of people. Yeah. And everyone could come together and not feel weird. And, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's always so great. And great to meet a lot of our uh, fellow podcasters out there. Yep. Uh, you guys are awesome. Yeah, it, it's cool to see there's like a little uh, true crime podcast community out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And we want to thank uh, everyone that came out to High Five the venue. That was, it was incredible. High Five. That was one the, of my favorite shows yeah, ever. Love it. Also, the crime con had such a funny thing of like a fake chalk outline of a victim. And oh, all I know. These old ladies are up there taking pictures yes. of me. I'm like, don't you fantasize about this. You're the victim. <laughs> You're the, victim. I walk, I, the sad thing is, I walked by it and I was like, I'm too big to be the victim. <laughs> I was, and we saw sniffer dogs, <laughs> oh, cadaver dogs, which are so cute. But I say, so give them a break. You know, <laughs> let them clock out. But they were incredible. They were. They get. They liked it. They bounded around when they ran. They did. <laughs> but then it's like when they do achieve like their great accomplishment, it's just a dead body they have to find. <laughs> give yeah, them a and they're pizza. Laughing and they're, they're wagging their tail like. Rawr, rawr, rawr. Also felt a bit nervous being like I had weed. I didn't even realize it. I had weed in my pocket when we walked into the drug dog center. Oh, I'm my just like, God. Oh, fuck. There's just a de- How did Henry die? Drug dogs. They took him down. <laughs> oh, Henry, those were cadaver dogs. You yeah. were fine. Yeah. yeah. Marcus is the one with the human thumb in his pocket. I'm not thumb human. Don't. I don't know. Don't have. You don't have. No. Uh, all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Let's see. Patreon. We got to thank everyone for that. Yeah, thanks, everyone, uh, for giving our Patreon. Uh, if you feel like we deserve a, a little bit of cash for um, uh, what we do here, you can go uh, and give at patreon.com slash lastpodcast on the left. If you give just a dollar, you get advanced ticket sales uh, to uh, all of our upcoming shows. Uh, we've got a lot of shows that yeah. we're uh, about to announce uh, here in just the next couple of days. So uh, go follow us on Twitter uh, to see when we announce those. That's right. And the Twitter is at LP on the left. You can find Henry on Twitter at... At, uh, at Henry, Henry loves, loves you. you. Dr. Fantasty on Instagram. Marcus Parks is Marcus Parks for everything. I'm Ben Kissel and Ben Kissel One on Instagram. Yeah, so fucking check out your bullshit. Hail Satan and fucking try just cut your rage. Don't don't plan a terrorist attack. That's I say right. write a book. Do something else. Have fun with it. You know, play a song. <laughs>
Play a song. Write 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 a wonderful uh, you know um, poem. Make your own kind of music. That's what I've even if said. nobody else sings along. There, yeah, that's the sad. <laughs> that is what people do on the train on a regular basis. Make your own kind of music. That's not sick. Sing yes. your own special uh-huh. song. And thanks for supporting all the shows here on CCR. Hail yourselves. Hail, Hail me. Hail Geen. And among us, the Lashons. Uh, let's do it. All right, it's time for Patreon shoutouts. Thanks, everyone who donated. Hail yourselves, Magustalations. You're all the best. Shoutouts from Patreon. All right. You guys are the only reason we exist, and we all love you very much. Okay, I will begin reading some names. Daniel Gorman. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thomas Barton. Pat Brown. Damon Tang. Daniel Kurzak. Kurzak? Kurzak? Daniel Kurzak. Sounds like a good military man. Kurzik. 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 Get in here, Kurzik. Gosh darn it, I've done something oh, that was... Oh, no, I dropped the mortars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not good. Matt Kelly, Justin Burkard, Ryan Jones, Katie Aldall-Welch, Thomas Llewellyn. Llewellyn? I feel like I've read that one before. Thomas Llewellyn. 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 Also a very fun name. Tristan Tate. Vladimir. Oh, my goodness. Marcus, this one's Russian. You have to read it. Vladimir Vajnik? Vajnovic? I think it's Vajnovic. Uh... Vladimir Vajnovic. Uh, Vladimir Vajnovic. Cool. Thank you, buddy. You're welcome. Yeah, uh, dude, we have a bunch of Russians staying in the building where I'm seeing here, and it makes me very paranoid. I don't know if they're going to send my secrets. They're You're not. taking my secrets? You, if they took your secrets, they would they would be the dumbest people in Russia when they go back. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Chase Griffin, Hanel Plotkin, uh, Bree Howard, Thomas Edward, Ben Polowski, Lindsay Aramo, Corin Brandenburg, Melissa Nottingham, and Honor Mayro is kind of cut off there. I believe it's Honor Mayor. TJ Hera, Holly Hudson, Torsten Neusenberg, mm. Frankie, Courtney Cochran, hello. Hello. Ainsley Ezra, Clinton Hallahan, Neam, who I believe is our friend in uh, that we met in Glasgow, oh, okay. who is from Scotland. So, hey there. It's good to see you. <laughs> Brandon Rowland, Sarah McGuire. I got Daniel Shipley. All right. Tina Pettis. Okay. Na Kalar. Mm-hmm. Kellen. It's N A A. Klingon? Nonkalar? Na Kalar. Can we trust him? Damn you, Kirk. Damn you, Kirk. Kellen R. Adachi. Byron Carlisle. Tony Stark. Really? Tony Stark. You better have given us more than a dollar. That <laughs> billionaire. It's Iron Man. It's, it's Iron Man. I'm a big fan of last podcast on the left. I listen to it in my suit every day. <laughs> Danielle Rosler. Johannes Van Velzen. Johannes Van Velzen. Kiki Adiranti. Gabriel Laplace. Alby. Ellie Skipper. Andrew Turkic. I think it's Turkic. All right. Alec, Alex Cantrell, uh, Christopher Wormald, uh, Megan DeLeon, 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 Mitch Wheeler, Kenny Shackelford, Lindsey Dapp, Jessica, and TJ Hara. Thank you all so much. Okay, I've got a fella. His name is Evan Bourbon, uh, which is kind of fun. Bourbon, which I like. Evan Bourbon. Chelsea Stumpf. Uh, Anathasia Mapes. Anathasia Mapes. I love that name. Anathasia. If I'm saying that remotely close to right, I like that name. Okay. Uh, Kevin L. Gouge. Audrey Lewis. Mike Haranda. Jane Andraka. Ian Price. Hillary Leanne. Uh, Hillary Leanne? I believe it's Hillary Leanne. Tristan Powers. Christina Lindsay. Marissa Smith. Blake Bonafide. 
uh, Daniel Zach, Emil Majoris, I believe it's Emil Majoris, Laura Abraham, Preston Snow, Lo Grant, Michael Nudin, Caitlin Hadley, Nico Mora. Nico Mora. I feel like Oprah. I want to give them all cars. You yeah. get a car. You get a car. <laughs> Tori and David McElwain, Caitlin Usselman, Ian Palazzi, Ooh. Simon Pickus, Alex Dibel, Jesse Chandler, Alexandria Scott, Michelle Aubert, Treby, Nick Morris, okay. Jennifer Seifring, Zach Donahoe, Ryan Reynolds. That's the Green Lantern. We've got the Green Lantern and Iron Man listening to the show. He's better as Deadpool, so let's Deadpool. keep it. Oh, yeah. Deadpool. So, yeah. Green Lantern? <laughs> that was Green Lantern. Your, yeah, yeah. Oh. Don't you do. He will always be my Green Lantern. Ryan Reynolds, will you please come and take me out of this? Please just come and just save me. I'll do anything. I'll lick up your cum on, on, on your wife if you want to. Yeah, That's you could what I'll do. Chub- I'll be your little towel. If you could be the chubby uh, sidekick to Ryan Reynolds in a superhero movie, you'd be set. Please make it happen, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Nick Aldridge, Jared Hoon, Alisante, Benjamin Weisberg, mm. Angela Cortese, Dominic D'Agostino, Kimberly, and Angela Hauser. I got Jameson Paulson, Brock Bender, Stuart Browning, Sergio, the French Stuart victim, the French Stuart killer. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Gates, Shauna Lawler, Michael Meyer, Rebecca Anderson, Jake, Savannah Wells, MJ Hall, Peter Baker, John Romero, Ash Lee. Oh, it, it's uh, Ash. Yeah, Lee. I like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Craig Allen, Ethan Swicegood. All right. Uh, Jonas missing. A show in Sweden, Nelson. Oh, okay. I guess mm. he wants us to do a show in Sweden. Okay, well, I'd, lo- I'd, I'd love, love to, to do love to go to Sweden. I'd love to go to Sweden. We I would love to go to Sweden. Please. That's my that's my accent of it. Trevor Hine and Favor.com. Uh, all right, Favor.com. Thank you so much. Alex, uh, I got Alex Gutierrez, Gutierrez, Alex Gutierrez, Dalton Wortman, George Lucas. I can't make this stuff up. We got <laughs> no, George Lucas here. Do we here. really get him to? I don't know. Save us. I'm a really save big us. fan of last podcast on the left. I just have to say that all of you are, uh, uh, I'm big fans. Did we you make Jar Jar Binks exist? I love him. He, I think he's. You know what? I like Jar Jar Binks too. I'm just gonna say it, and I said it yesterday. It's Cody Island, and people. Jar Jar really... Binks was really our way of getting a Rastafarian man as racistly as possible into the Star Wars genre. And it's it's been big for us. They were like, they were like, we need to diversify this cast. We're like, we could cast an Asian person or maybe an African American. They're like, I got yeah. it. I got an idea. What are you talking about? They did cast an Asian person. A oh. two a Jedi here. I'm not even. Oh no! This what? is a horrible. Uh, this is. A, I'm just. I don't, he's doing it. I know. He's. I know. Uh, uh, that was the. Characters of the oh, we have a trade federation. All right, George Lucas, thank you. Lacey Schwindenhammer, I love that name. Schwindenhammer, Lacey, Chloe Rush, Kier Nathan, Jumbo Jet Timmons, Zane Diltz, Larissa DeMarco, Katie Fitch, UKHC, Gina Forte, James Kakarook. Oh, Coco Rickus. Coco Rickus. James Coco Rickus. I like that. Coco Rickus. Andrew Robinson. Aaron Thomas. Hector Trujillo. 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 Let me see it. Hector Trujillo? Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Trujillo. 
Hector, Trujillo. how do you roll the... Uh, Trujillo. Just have yeah. anything but white in you. Literally, I can't do I am from Wisconsin. You just go... <laughs> that is me attempting to do anything that is not Midwestern. Uh, Hector Trujillo. Whatever. Henry, hold Marcus, you said it. Kevin Lovett. Janine. Katie Robinson. Adam Murphy. And Sarah Blum. Thank you so much. Now, I will say this. If you are looking for a fake name, this is a very easy way to get one. You listen to the Patreon shoutouts and just choose one. Uh-huh. Emily Reed, <laughs> Robert Jordan, Lena Weinberg. It's got an umlaut on it. Weinberg. Christina Carls, Brian Houghton, Robert John Perry IV. Wow. God. What? One of the co-conspirators with Timothy McVeigh. <laughs> Daniel Pugliese, Brandon Nunez. Dan Bunyan, Chad Williford, Chance Kennedy. Hi, I'm Chance Kennedy, and this is your action sports. <laughs> oh, my God. Bobby Bonilla. That is your only sports <laughs> reference to this day. Wait, Bobby Bonilla gives to our Patreon? What? No. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. If we got, we got I'm reaching out na- to him, though. Okay, please do. Michael Brown, Matthew McDowell, Margaret McMillan, Alyssa Karras, Anna Cox, Parker Joseph Sestarik, Emily Fishman, All right. Matthew Schmidt. Thank you for your money. I got Madison Rose, Char, Scott Ryan, Christoph Kubicki, Lucy Warman, Eric Taylor, Bailey Kalaji, Stephanie Zelza, Tyler Haas, Christopher Hubbard, Jill Citrone, Margarita Sanders. Ooh. I like Margarita Sanders. I love I it. Do. I really do. It's my favorite. She's just like, she's like- in an intervention right now for her alcoholism. Like it was a cute name for a while that she legally changed her name to Margarita. Oh, <laughs> I love the drink and I like the politics. Catalina Windy Picnic. <laughs> I hope that's a real last name. Uh, We're from a long line of Windy Picnics. Uh, this is Ted Windy Picnic. I'm Robert Windy Picnic. Samantha Windy Picnic. Deanna. Go- honestly, that's a bummer. What's worse than a Windy Picnic? You oh, got chips going everywhere. Oh, that's true. Deanna Gordon, Carl Tool, Cole Geisman, Emma Murray, Stefan, Steven Hendrickson, Diana Masoner, Victor Lopez, and Aaron Jacobson. All right, I got one more list here. We got Patricia Jurgolette, your uh, Ursula Jurgolette. No, Jurgolette. J U R G E L E I T. Jurgolette. Mm. Patricia. Mm. Ursula huh. Sakowitz, Denise Balbay Holt, Denise Balbay Holt, Anna. Baddorf, Anna Baddorf, Daniel Perez, David Moore, Connor, Peter, Jeffries, Simon, Simon Dowd, Ali Kaluzny, Morgan Goads, John Rogan, Serena, uh, Jason Aquaviva, Aquaviva, that's amazing, Ooh. Jason Aquaviva, uh, Athens Tac Tac, Amanda Thok, or Toke, Daniel Ponzio, Matt Anthalsner, Matt Anthalsner, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Pascal Labonte Cloutier. Cloutier? Cloutier. Cloutier. Oh, this one. Oh, this is more of a statement. Uh, Miranda, I think you guys are all sexy. Ben Kissel, I'll wet your whistle. P.S. <laughs> L-M-D-R. I think we lost a little bit, but that's nice there. Uh, Ken Thompson great. and Sonia Christensen. Uh, to round it up, I got Alicia Derrick, Kristen Crowley, Kyle Brannon, Jonathan Trem- Trumpour, uh, Mandy Bowles, Heather Butler, 
Emma Cozy, Amy Braun, Amber Utley, D. Erdine, Renee Rafat, Greg, Jamie Peterson, Ali Latrell, Kathy, Kathy Shriver, Chris Baum, BK Jenkins, Adam Stariha, Chris Lewis, Dominique Conasciari, okay, and Joe Kleinvolterink. Thank you all so much. Ooh. You're the only reason this has been made possible, and we love you. Give me more of your money. Don't give demand it. it. Don't, don't, don't demand it. Don't. Trust me. Trust me with your money. I will be <laughs> no so good No one trusts you it. with their money. What what's the best thing that you spent money on, Henry? Hmm. The sound hood. The well, sound hood that, that I'm currently that's, in. You know, that works for the show. If okay. I, if I can give everyone a little bit. You know, if I could tell them what I spend my money on, I was able to get Invisalign this week. He did. He's, his teeth are and fucking horrible. I, You're going to lose that fucking <laughs> charm, and it's going to be great. You're going to have so much less pain. I, I've been waiting. I got a, an email wow. from my uh, dentist that they were doing half off Invisalign this week, and I said, you know what? The Patreon money has allowed me to do this, so I'm going to get my teeth fixed. That's amazing. So you're going to hear yeah. me talk about that for the next year. Can't, Can't wait. wait to hear you talk about teeth. <laughs> I really, <laughs> honestly, I'm looking forward to you being well and being happy and being fulfilled. That's Thank right. You. Hey, as uh, as we say to, with all of you as well, hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Hail me. Oh. You're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. Give me your money on. Hmm? Give it to me. Magustalations. <laughs> Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.